Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. All right, so we're in this series called The Apostles' Creed. And before I explain what the Apostles' Creed is, we're going to give you the answer. So it's like Jeopardy. So I say, hey, this is the answer. So you have to phrase whatever in the form of a question. So we're going to read the Apostles' Creed first and then explain it later. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Right, so that's the answer. Now the question is, what is the Apostles' Creed? Let me hear you guys say it so that it's not me saying it. What is the Apostles' Creed? Yes, that is the right answer. Well, the Apostles' Creed, to understand what this is, we have to travel back in time um, to about 150 years, around 150 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So if everyone jumps in their time machines, Basically, this was um, a way for the early church to define, defend, and declare their faith. It was kind of uh, a summation of what the disciples had taught. So they take all the principles that we believe are at the core of our faith, and they, they memorized it, and they wrote it out, and then they declared it. And that's what the Apostles' Creed was. It was this, um, this declaration of what it is that we believe. And so... It helps us to, if if you want to look at it in kind of a modern day aspect, think of our one-to-one. If if you're if you're new here, if you don't know, one-to-one is kind of our process for discipleship. It's a, a little booklet that you go through with your mentor, and it really just teaches you at the core what is it that we believe, what are some of the important parts of our faith, what is this and this and this. So it's kind of a similar thing. It's the church's history version of our one-to-one. And so it's part of their discipleship process, and it was even used in the in the church in Rome, the early church in Rome, to kind of give to baptismal candidates. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be going over, over this, and we're going to be going and breaking apart the Apostles' Creed into each section of, of what it is that, you know, we believe. And so today we're going to be discussing that first statement, which is, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So that, that first sentence there, that's what we're going to be discussing for today. And so what is it that we're declaring with this? When we say that I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, what is it that we're discussing? What is it that we're declaring? We're declaring three things, three, three simple things. We're declaring God's existence, we're declaring God's identity, and we're declaring God's ability. And we're going to expound on each one of those, and we're going to kind of unpack things from there. All right, so first off, we're going to talk about God's existence. And so the question has been asked for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Well, maybe not thousands and thousands and thousands. But for quite a while, this question has been asked, and it's nothing new to our generation, is does God exist? And, you know, physicists and smart people and like, like Stephen Hawking's and Richard Dawkins and guys like that have, have gone very publicly and argued that God not only doesn't exist, but he is possibly dead. He's never existed before. And, and um, atheism is, is a growing... Uh, uh, minority of, of uh, believers, of, of 
people who believe that there is no God. But this isn't nothing new. It's this question of does God exist has been asked for thousands of years. Um, if, you, if you know much about, about philosophy, early Greek philosophy, there's two guys, uh, Plato and Aristotle. They kind of started this question of does God exist? And they had a, a thought process of cosmology. It's called cosmology. And basically it's that because of how the universe is, there must be a God. There, there has to be some divine being, some outer presence, something like that, because of how the universe is created. And, and, the, and so this question has been asked, does God exist all over? But God has put proofs of his existence throughout all of every aspect of life. Um, one thing, uh, science. That guy Aristotle I was talking about, he was a, a Greek physician, philosopher, kind of an all-around Renaissance man. And um, he was quoted saying that because of the universe's perfect physics, because of how everything works together perfectly, and because of the laws of physics, there has to be a creator. His, his thought process was that because the earth is so perfect in how it's ordered, and as far as laws of nature and such, there has to be somebody who has ordered it to be. And if you look at the laws of nature, and if you look at physics and stuff, the world is ordered, and there is, there is strict laws that define everything in this universe. And even the solar systems and the planets, how they all revolve around each other and they gravitate around each other, there has to be a way that that didn't just pop into existence. And so Aristotle was basically arguing that this is way too complex for um, there not to be an intelligent design. Excuse me. Another, another way that God has kind of showed his existence is with DNA. If you, if you know a little bit about DNA, it's basically information coded into us as human beings and kind of every other animal, and it defines different things about us. It defines the way we look, our hair, our hands, our personalities, and stuff like that. And, and for there to be DNA, DNA is basically information, and for there to be information, it's logical to assume that information doesn't just create itself, is that there has to be a creator for information, if that makes sense. Another, another um, extremely smart man, uh, a guy named Immanuel Kant, he was a German philosopher, and he had stated that because, of humans, because humans have the ability at all to do good, there must be a God. And kind of unpacking that a little, what he was explaining was that man is, is naturally evil. And this is kind of what the Bible says, is that man has a propensity for evil. You've all heard the example of you know, you don't have to teach your child to, to be bad. If you're a parent in here, I'm sure you know that. You don't have to teach your child to do something wrong. It's you have to teach them to do right, right? Is that, is that right, parents? Yeah? Yeah, you have to teach your, your kids to do right. And it's the same with human beings, is that human beings don't have a natural propensity to do good. Is that I don't naturally, as a human being, want to do something nice for somebody else. It's that my parents have taught me, and they've taught me biblical truths, and they've taught me things like that, to do good, if that makes sense. And so in the same way, human beings are the human, the society or whatnot has to have been taught from somewhere of, of the ability to do good. And so this is what Immanuel Kant is arguing. Um, and, and he's, he's uh, yeah, very smart man. You should read some of his stuff. It's really interesting. Uh, another, another thing, and, and this is one of the main things that Christians use to, to argue for the existence of God, is the Bible. And the Bible is completely true. There is, that is the perfect evidence that you can use to argue for the existence of God. But unfortunately, if you're going to argue to an atheist about the Bible, and an atheist who doesn't believe in the existence of God, therefore there's no validity in the evidence that you're using. 
So the Bible is, as Christians, is our evidence for not only the existence of a God, but the existence of our God. And so it's kind of important that you need to prove the validity of the Bible first before you use the Bible in arguments or in debate or if you're just talking with someone. And it seems like a very difficult task, but in reality, there's so much evidence that's compounded that you can use. Uh, archaeological evidence has been discovered that corroborates so many of the characters in the Bible, especially Jesus. Uh, a lot of archaeological evidence has been found to prove the existence, not only the existence of these characters, but that what they did in the stories are true. And that's one thing, one, one piece of evidence you can use. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered um, and, and if you don't know about the Dead Sea Scrolls, is there were a, a set of documents found in a cave in Israel, and they were discovered by the shepherd, and what they were is there were all the scriptures of the Bible, but written from thousands of years ago, which corroborated the Bible that we use today was the same as what was written thousands of years ago. So that's, that's another piece of evidence you can use, you can kind of look into. Another is, um, in, in the archaeological community, or the history community, is one of the ways that they use to validate a document's validity, validate a document's validity, we'll go with it. One of the ways they use to validate a document's validity is they find corroborating documents. They find um, other documents from written, written at that same time about that same event, but different documents, of course. And so of, with the Bible, they found a huge number of corroborating documents. They found a huge number of other things that have been written at that same time. And so these are some pieces of evidence that you can use to defend not only the, the truth of the Bible, but then use the Bible to show the truth that God does exist. And so with this, with um, the creed that we're going through, I believe in God. We're going to discuss that first. I believe in God. And that shows the existence of God. It shows that we believe that God not only exists, but he's our father and he's a creator. And we'll go over in, into those a little later. And so it's important to know the evidence that our faith is not blind. It's not just blind like all of a sudden, oh, let's believe in God. There's no proof to it, but why not? It's that we have evidence that supports our beliefs. We have evidence that supports our faith. So we're going to move on to the second bit is the identity of God. And so if you read here, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And this shows that we're declaring the identity of God, is that God is our Father. God is not only our Father, He's our Father Almighty. He's a loving Father. He's a Father who loves His children. And if you, if you have your Bibles, if you can open up to Acts 17, 28 through 29. I will pull that up and not drop that. Okay. It reads, In him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Now this kind of shows the existence of, it shows the existence of God, yes, but it also shows the identity of God, that God is not just a statue of, of, made of gold or of stone or whatever. God's not just a, you know, something that is created by man. One argument against God is he's a, a creation of man to cope with life, but it shows in this scripture that God is not just a creation of man. It's that God is, um, our father. We are his offspring. And being, um, uh, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art or imagination of man. 
And so this, uh, a, little, a little information about this is earlier in the, in the previous verse, it says that in your own poetry, and this kind of talks about a poem, uh, Paul was referencing a poem here about Zeus. The Greeks had this poem about Zeus, and it says that we are his offspring and we come from Zeus. And I'm not saying that that is correct, but God has shown every culture different aspects of himself. And what the Greeks had discovered is that there's something different about humans that's, that's different from, you know, animals or trees or rocks. So we must come from a divine creature. They had understood that concept. They didn't quite know where they came from, but they understood the concept that we had to have come from a divine creature. And from that, we can conclude that we are God's children. We, he, we are the offspring of the divine creator called God, named God. Well, that's our name for him, but yeah. And so... Jesus, Jesus also referred to God as, as, as Father and our Father. If you, if you open your Bibles to Matthew 6, 9, it, um, it says, Pray then like this, O far, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's, one of the clinchers here is that Jesus didn't say, my Father. He didn't say, Father. He said, our Father. He included us when he said that. He included the ones that he was talking to when he said that. It's that Jesus, that, that Jesus uh, stated, God is our Father. Our Father in heaven. And so this, like back to the creed, is that we believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. It shows that uh, we are declaring that God is our Father. We believe in his existence first off, and we believe in his, his fatherhood. We believe that the identity of God is our Father. And he's not only that, he's a loving Father. If you open your Bible to Matthew 7, 9 to 11, it says, Or which of you, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So he's not just a father, he's this loving father. He's this father who wants to give good things to those who ask him. And no parent is perfect. I had really great parents, but they're still not perfect. And so if my imperfect parents can give me good gifts, how much more can my perfect father give me good gifts? And it's important to know the identity of God so that we can know the interaction that we should have with God, so that we can know how to relate with God. It's, you know, it's, it's God is God. He is this all-powerful, almighty, heavenly being. So how do we relate to that? We relate to him as a father. We relate to him like we are his children, and that's one of the things we're declaring is that I believe in God, the Father Almighty. He is my Father. He has created me. I am designed in His image. And so we're going to talk about the third thing that we're declaring is I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And like I said, we're going to talk about the existence of God. I believe in God. We're going to talk about the identity of God, the Father Almighty, and the ability of God, creator of heaven and earth. And so if you open your Bible to Acts 17, 24 through 25, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Is that we, have a, we, have, we believe in God. We believe that God is our Father and a loving Father, but my dad, my dad, as much as he would like to, he can't do everything for me. He can't do, he can't, he can't, you know, do the impossible. He can only do what's in human power. But our God not only created, it's important to know his ability because he not only created the universe, but he also sustains it. 
It says that since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, even right now, at this moment, God is giving to us mankind life and breath and everything. It's, it's incredible to think about. He's not just this God who created the universe, spun everything into motion, and then just retreated back into the heavens to enjoy whatever it is up there. He has created us, and he designed us and formed us, and then breathed life into us, and continues to do that. He continues to give us life. He continues to give us breath. He continues to take care of us. It's not that he's abandoned us, and and even in times of trouble, it might seem like God has abandoned us, but it's not that he has. It's that he continues to take care of us no matter what the situation seems like. And so not only on a grand scale of everything, but every single breath, God is taking care of us. And so if he can do that, if he can keep every breath of ours going on every human around the planet, and if he can create the heavens and the earth, and if he can put the laws into physics, and if he can make everything ordered how it's meant to be, how much more can he take care of the issues that are in our own personal lives? So why do we need to know him as both father and creator? Of course, we need to know, we need to be able to declare that God exists. That's kind of self-explanatory. Why do we need to be able to declare that God is our Father? Why do we need to be able to declare that God is creator of heaven and earth? Well, two reasons. First, again, uh, and, and bringing it back to it, the Father shows us the identity that we have with God. And being a loving Father, he will do whatever it takes for his children. He will do whatever it takes to... For, in the best interest of his kids, he will do what, it need, what needs to be done for his kids. And he showed that when he sent his only son to die on the cross because of us, for us, that we can be with him. He will do whatever it takes, even going to the grave for us. But it's also important to know that he's creator because it shows his ability. That even though he went to the grave for us, the grave couldn't keep him down. That he has the ability to overcome whatever situation, even death. It says that Jesus died three days later, he rose again. So we really need to know to be able to declare that not only do we believe in God, we believe in him as a father, and we believe in him as a father who can do all things, who can take care of us, who can, in whatever situation, keep us safe. It's so important that we know this, that we know that not only he can, but he will. He can. He's the creator of the universe. He has the ability to do anything. And he will. He's a loving father who cares for us, who wants the best for us, who will do whatever is in our best interest. And that's what the, that that is the first opening declaration of the Apostles' Creed. And it should remind us of this every time if if you, some, some, um, some believers that I really look up to, they have memorized this Apostles' Creed because it's a really good summation it's a really good summary of what it is that we believe. And so if you, if you choose to memorize this, it'll, it'll help, you know, define, defend, declare all that, your faith. But when you say this first line, that I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, it shows us, it reminds us that not only he can, but he will. He's not just a God who's up there living in his high heavens and just watching down at us, seeing how things are playing out. He's a personal God. 
He's a father to each and every single one of us. We are his offspring. We were not only created by him, we were designed by him. It says that when he created human beings, he drew us in the dirt. Everything else, he just sort of spoke and he's like, all right, let there be beasts on the earth, fish in the sea, and birds in the sky. But us, he took care and he sculpted us and he designed us into the dirt to look in his image, to be in his image, the image of our father. So he is this personal God who is with us every step of the way. And so maybe you're having an issue right now. I'd like to call up the worship team. We'll just have a, a short message today. Maybe you're having an issue right now and it's, it's seeming like, oh man, I need a personal God. That is what he's here for. He's here as your father. He is here as a loving father, as a father who is here to take care of you. And so in closing, as the worship team comes up, let's just, uh, I'd just like to invite you guys to spend some time just in, in reflection, just to, to think about what it is that God has spoken to you and to maybe see if, if there's a word that God is giving you from this, if there's a scripture that stood out to you. And I'd just like to spend some time in, in, in silence before we, before we pray uh, for that. So if everyone, I'll just open up in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this word. We thank you for everything that you're doing and everything you've taught us, God. And we ask that you just begin to show us right now what it is that you have for us, what it is that you've planned for us, Father. So I pray that we just quiet ourselves and open our ears, Father, to hear your word in your holy name. And with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, um, I'd just like to make another, make another statement. Uh, maybe you're in here and you've heard the gospel before. You've heard about God. You've heard about the existence of God. Or, or maybe this is your first time kind of really understanding about the existence of God. Or maybe something like the fact that God is a personal God and wants a relationship with us, that he wants to be our father, has kind of stuck out to you. And maybe this is kind of just that turning point for you. Maybe this is that point when you start realizing, yeah, I want this relationship with God. Well, I'd like to give you the opportunity. Um, God would love to welcome you back into his family. And so we have this signal, and so um, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation, and I'd, I'd just love you guys to pray with me if this is you. But I'd like to know if this is you, and so if I'm going to look around for a bit, and if, if this is really something that you want to pray from the bottom of your heart, you want this relationship with God, you want God to be your heavenly Father, <clears throat> um, I'd like you to just look up and make eye contact with me, and then we'll nod or, or some kind of signal so I know I'm praying with you. Uh, so I'd just like to give you the opportunity to do that. Father, we just thank you so much that you gave your one and only son, Father. We thank you that you are a God who will not leave us to our sin. You are a God who wants a relationship with us. You are a God who wants to be with us. And Father, right now, we just repent for turning away from you, God. We repent for trying to be our own person, for running away from you, our heavenly Father. And God, we just ask right now that you grow in us, Father, that you come and live in our hearts, Father. Thank you so much that you sent your son to die, God. We declare right now that we believe in your son. We believe that he died and rose again for our sins. And so right now, Father, we just ask that he comes and lives in our hearts with us every day, God. We thank you so much for for how you're growing in us, and we just thank you again for this grace that you've given us. In your holy name, Father, amen.